Welcome, baseball family. This week we have the Rays continuing to win fantasy baseball update and an interview with author Lee Lowenfish. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast, Baseball Family. My name is Brad. I'm one of your captains here and our other captain. Over here on my left is Brig. How are you this evening, Brig? Well, I'm not mowing my lawn, so I'm very happy because that <laughs> crap was awful today. <laughs> that crap is always awful. <laughs> it's always awful. Let's be yeah, honest. That's one thing that's nice about living in Arizona is that, like, granted, I live in an apartment right now, so we don't have a lawn to mow. But I have an excuse to never have a lawn to mow because it's just like, well, it's just going to die. I'm not going to. Arizona lawns are rocks or artificial. Or, so... yeah, say, or turf. So right. that's that's the plan is to have turf. You're winning. You're winning. Okay. That's right. Me? That's right. Not so much. <laughs> not on that front. All right, so there is some very fun and exciting stuff to get into. Let's go ahead and jump into it right now. First things first, the Rays continue to win undefeated through their first 10 games. Going into Monday, they were 9-0. They won today against the Red Sox by a score of 1-0. to So, yep. Brig, well, so first, let's talk about the teams they beat. Like I said, they beat the Red Sox today. They've beaten Detroit, Washington, and Oakland. Yep. Is this historic, or is this them beating teams they should be beating? This is them beating teams they should be beating. And right. it's historic. <laughs> well, it's obviously historic because of what they're doing, right? Like, right. Yeah. Like, but is it, there have been four teams? Ultimately, yeah. There have been four teams in the, modern, in the modern era who have won eight straight by four or more runs. The last was the 1939 Yankees. It's crazy to think about it. That's been that long. They went on to win the, win the World Series. We're not saying that the Rays are on a collision course for the World Series. No chance. And here's the other thing too. This is this is one thing I thought was interesting was that they're the first team to start nine and zero since the 03 Royals. Right. They beat a pretty good White Sox team, then they beat a lousy Indians team and a terrible Tigers team that won all of forty three games in two thousand and three. Right. So, and then yeah. I think from what, if I remember right, the Royals ended up finishing under five hundred that year anyway, or just over, so. but they were like out of there, out of the playoffs anyway. So. Let's, I don't know, like it's, it's a big deal, right? Because what they're doing is they're putting up a whole bunch of runs and they're winning a bunch of games in a row. That's hard to uh, do. It's the run differential. It's the run differential. That's the thing that gets me. I think they've put up like 57 runs or something over the yeah, first they're up, like. They're plus, plus 58 after today. Yeah. yeah, after today. So it's so it's it's crazy. That is impressive because even teams that we, you know, pull for, like the Yankees should be winning You'd think they'd win every day, but they're not. They're they're winning series, but they're not winning every single game, right? Right. And so it, it's just interesting. The Dodgers aren't even winning every single game right now. The, the Dodgers are not in first place in their division right now. <laughs> yeah. Look, nobody's winning every game right now. Like let yeah. let's just let me go down the line. The Yankees are six and four. Blue Jays six and four. Red Sox five and five. Orioles four and five. Cleveland is leading the Central right now, seven and four, followed by the Twins at six and four. And then in the West, you've got the Angels five and four, Rangers five and four, just, and the Astros four and six. Screw your head around that one. And then the Braves in the NL East are six and four, five and five, followed up by the Mets. Then in the Central, you've got the Brewers seven games out of, and two losses, seven wins, two losses. That's the closest thing I can find. 
to 10 and 0 yeah. is 7 and 2 in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Followed yeah. by Pittsburgh, who's 6 and 3, Brad. Explain <laughs> that to me. I won't because I can't. I can't either. I don't know what to <laughs> oh, do. No, I no, Brig, I will explain it to you. Actually, I will explain it to you. Okay. It is April. Ah. Oh. There's your explanation. It is likely April. excuse, Brad. <laughs> Also, <laughs> well, so this is the thing. Like, so I'm I keep looking at the Mariners because the Mariners have had a pretty rough week, right? Yeah, like they finally kind of brought things up. around and they and they won the series in Cleveland, which I was like, you know, gotta get some of those back. Yeah. But then like it's one of those things where you're keeping like you ever like when you go like run the mile, you know, and you're like, okay, this guy runs track. I do not. So if I can keep up with this guy, I'm doing fine in yeah. in my pace, right? So you're running next yeah. to the guy and and he's kind of pacing, like going a little bit slow at the beginning. It's like, okay, well, then he's going to start speeding up. It's like, okay, I got to start speeding up. So you, you have your pace guy. To me, in the AL West, the Astros are the pace guy. Like, hey, like <laughs> they're okay. They're not going to be panicking right now because they had a similar start last year, right? The Mariners, I think they finished April one or two games over 500 for the month. Yeah. And then yeah. a terrible man. So I'm kind of like, okay, like if we can keep with the pace guy for now, because I know the Angels aren't going to keep pace. I know the Rangers aren't going to keep pace because historically that's not what they do. But so right. I'm not worried. I'm not freaking out at all. The one little worry I have is the DH, but that's a whole different conversation. But, but like the Pirates are the guy who is like, boo, out of the gate. This is going to be a sprint around those four laps, right? Around the track. Yeah. And so, yeah. but then come into that second, maybe even that second lap gonna start falling back so we'll see now that they've lost o'neill cruz and we'll get to that yeah that's gonna be a beast to to overcome yes big time it really will but anyway congratulations Uh, to all three rays fans though like we're very excited for you yes we're very excited for super fun that this is happening yeah (laughs) i happen to know one of you by name john very very excited for you right now (laughs) yeah that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) the rays are doing very well um let's go on and talk about jose alvarado he's been otherworldly so far his first four first four appearances he's only allowed one hit through 66 pitches 14 swinging strikes out of the 12 outs he's been asked to obtain 11 have been strikeouts yeah that's amazing that is amazing like i don't care one hit (laughs) in 66 pitches he's allowed one hit that's what I was just going to say is I don't care if you're a starter or you're a reliever. I don't care who you are. That's Mm-mm. tough to do. Yeah. And out of 12 outs, 11 of them have been strikeouts. Dude's untouchable. Yeah, it's untouchable. Absolutely untouchable. That's fast. I love it. That's good fantastic. for him. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Let's talk about the Cubs a little bit, Brig. Can we mellow out first? <laughs> I think this will help. I think this will help. I think so too. Because the Cubs are going to be starting to sell a CBD drink at Wrigley. That is Indeed. fascinating to me. Honestly, it I'm is. surprised there's not one at Chase Field. Or at T-Mobile. And, or, or T-Mobile. <laughs> yeah. like. <laughs> but uh, no, because I'm sure that it's just a matter of time before we get one at Chase. But anyway, yeah. the Cubs are the first team with a CBD sponsor. And it will now be available, like I said, at Wrigley Field. There will be three flavors and meets the criteria for working with MLB teams, unlike their minor league affiliates, who fight with MLB for every stitch of every hat every year. That is fantastic writing, Brig. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many minor league teams I talk to and they're like, ugh. 
But this CBD company comes in and wants to sell sleepy drinks at the baseball park. And I'm like, oh, cool. Make it. They, they got whatever approval were required and nobody else can get approved for anything ever. I know. I know. I think it's crazy. Like, why would you want to mellow out your fans? I don't know. That's why I don't understand. I don't know. Maybe, maybe what they're doing is it's exclusively out in the bleachers. Yeah. The bleacher <laughs> to mellow out that crowd just a little bit. So they're going to take that beer cup beer snake. snake all yeah. the way for like cut it in thirds. <laughs> It'll be a third as long now. <laughs> is that their agenda? I don't understand. I don't know. I'm like, what is it for your chronic back pain, pain, you know, blue collar back pain, <laughs> like fans like me? Cause that's me. So I'd be doing that. You'd be like, this one has Delta eight and it tastes like strawberries. I'd be like, yes, <laughs> give me that. Yeah. I want that and, one. And maybe if they're, uh, <clears throat> if they're exclusively selling it out to the out to the folks out on the bleachers in the outfield, they can get rid of that that fence, that like basket they have out there. You know, <laughs> the basket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they got to keep it now because people be like, "Whoa, sleeping." It's <laughs> true. Just so just mellow, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's really fascinating that that CBD is making its way into the ballparks. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Okay, let's talk about Tyler O'Neill. We'll stick in the uh, AL Central here for, or, or sorry, NL Central here for just a little bit. So Tyler O'Neill was benched on Wednesday. Yeah. After making an ex- unacceptable play on the base pass on Tuesday. So he was on second. Uh, he tried to score from second on a ball to right field. It was hit right to Acuna. Like right to him. I don't even know why they sent. I don't even know why they sent O'Neill, honestly, on this right. play. Because it, it makes no sense. He had no chance. Um, so he's out by the, out of the plate by probably five or six feet, you know. But this is what manager Ali Marmal said. He said, uh, "He said that's not our style of play as far as the effort of rounding the bag there. It's unacceptable." <clears throat> and I don't, I don't know honestly. Like I think I personally think that if he did round it slow or soft, it was probably because he was like. I, I, there's no reason for me to go here. <laughs> I'm going to be toast. Yeah. Like, cause when I say that ball was hit right out of Cunha, it was right to him. Right. And so, so this is what, this is what Tyler O'Neill said in response. Though. He said, those are pretty strong words from him. So that's good to know. And then he added, I don't think it should have been handled that way. I think if there's internal issues, they should be handled internally. We should have each other's backs out there. Um, so then the next day he wasn't in the starting lineup. I think he did. He did come in and pinch it late in the game, but this is, this is my thing, Brig, is that, the manager, if he has a problem with a guy's hustle, especially a guy like Tyler O'Neill, who has gotten MVP in the vote, MVP votes in the past. Right. You know, like, is a one of your core players, one of your better players, and he's still relatively young? Like, yeah. talk to him about that behind closed doors. He's not a guy like, I feel like an, an Arenado or a Goldschmidt. Like, if you want to call them out in the media, they can handle it. Probably, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, which and, you know maybe you still shouldn't do that, but I wouldn't do it, <laughs> right? But yeah, no, I like I don't think this is the way this should be happening, and I'm curious if there was, if there's still a little bit of a rift between Tyler O'Neill and the and uh, and Marmal here, if there's like, or if the front office is like, you go apologize to him because we'll fire you tomorrow, but we got to have Tyler O'Neill around, <laughs> you know? Yeah. They might, they may very well do that. I think that's a very real possibility. 
I think that all of this needs to be handled behind closed doors. That's exact spot on advice. And for the most part, like, I don't care how old or young you are. I don't care how much experience you have. You shouldn't have to fight battles from behind behind you. You should have to fight battles in front of you. And that this is terrible. So, yeah. Well, and it reminded me, so like not even like two days later, I saw that clip of Gabe Kapler when he went to when he yes. was, you know, was with the Giants when he went to pull his pull his pitcher and his pitcher turned on and yelled at him. He let it go. Yep. But then he got back down in the dugout and he said, Come with me. They walked down the tunnel and he addressed it off camera. You know, yep. he could have he could have sat him down in the corner and yelled at him, right? Yep. And been like and just gone off and been like, if the camera see this, the camera see it. But instead he took him back into the tunnel and said whatever it was he had to say and let his player keep his dignity right exactly so yeah no i i don't think this is the way this should have been handled at all uh, so let me let me jump all over this for one more minute we were really excited about st louis before the start of the season and i think we still are but let's just look at they're they're losing bad i think they've only won three games this year so far and they've lost to the blue jays the braves and the brewers and they're currently losing to the rockies in the top of the fourth. Yeah, so three and six, three and six. So yeah, far this year. like as we speak, the Rockies are, are beating the Cardinals. And if this is what's going on culturally in the they clubhouse, just tied it up. The, sorry. Oh, nice. The, then they got problems. <laughs> <clears throat> that, right. This, and maybe this is all bubbling up and finally it's coming out. And this is the, this is indicative of some greater issue far beneath the surface that everybody's been aware of. And it hasn't, you know, reared its ugly head yet. That's that would be my guess, given the evidence now that they keep losing. I don't know. We'll see. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think it's indicative. Once it spills out of the clubhouse and things aren't being handled internally anymore, you got to wonder what else is happening. Right. I think you're absolutely right. And you know, this is only his second year as manager of the Cardinals, right? Like right. last year, they won 93 games. So you think there wouldn't have been too many issues? But you never know because that's that was a really talented team last year, and there yeah. were some guys who had stuff to play for, right? Pujols, um, Yachty, and then Adam Wainwright. You don't know if he was coming back or not, but they had stuff to play for in their last year. Yeah, and so I don't know. It could be interesting. We're only nine playing their tenth game of the season today. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens to them the rest of this month because they say you can't. You certainly cannot win a division in April, but you can definitely lose one. And so I'm curious. 100%. What kind of what kind of a leash they're giving him this month and into next? That if stuff like this is going on, and then if they if they drop way behind in the division, I don't know how much how much longer he'll be around. Well, we've seen a rash of midseason management firings in the past few years, so that's not an abnormality anymore, right? Yep. I remember when it was, and it's now it's not. <laughs> it's like oh, oh yeah, not not anymore, not anymore. Yeah. Anyway. Well, speaking of St. Louis, though, yeah, and Nolan, I mentioned Nolan, Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado, he joined the 300 home run club this weekend. Yay! Congratulations to him. That was fa- fantastic. <clears throat> that ball kind of snuck around the foul pole. It looks like, right? Doesn't matter. <laughs> it still goes all hey, the way around. <laughs> as long as it's fair, that's all that matters. That's, that's all, all that matters. matters. But speaking of milestones as well, Elvis Andrews reached the 2,000 career hit mark. Uh, he gave the ball to his mom, and she also has numbers 500, 1,000, and 1,500. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, put him up on the mantle, nice little he's, conversation pieces. Yeah. 
he says she's the reason he's here. She's the reason he is who he is today. All that. I thought that was really nice. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, and so he joins, I guess the active hit leaders would be Miguel Cabrera with just over 3,000, Joey Votto with a little over 2,000, and Nelson Cruz with just a shade over 2,000 as well. Right. So yeah. that's awesome. So he has the fourth most hits among current active players. Zach Granke, so these are the guys looking for their next milestone. Zach Granke is looking for 3,000 career strikeouts. He is at 2,890. That's um, awesome. It is. I don't know awesome. if he'll get it this year. I don't. Think I don't know. I don't feel like year. he doesn't. I don't think he strikes guys out the same clip he he used to. No. So I don't know that he'll necessarily get there this year. He could, but I don't think he will. It might be next year. Um, Justin Verlander is looking for 250 wins. He's currently at 244, but he's also on the IL. He's on the injured right. list. So, yeah. If that lingers, he, he might not get six wins this year. But we'll see. It's true. Even if he I plays, think. he might not get six wins this year. Right. Yeah. Like, that's a slippery statistic. It is. Yeah. Craig Kimbrell and Kelly Jansen are both looking for, for their 400th career saves. They should get those pretty quick. Uh, yeah. Craig Kimbrell is at 395. Jansen is at 393. So I would expect both of those guys. But I mean, their teams have to win, though, so, right? Totally. Yeah. Like, like the Red Sox have got to win for Kelly Jansen to get a save. So, yeah. Um, and then other milestones, the Reds are looking to break a to break a drought this year. I don't know that it's necessarily going to happen, but it has been 10,000 days, 10,000 days <laughs> yeah. since they have won a playoff series. That is 1995, ladies and gentlemen. 27 years for those keeping track. <laughs> 27 years for you actuaries at home. It's been 27 years since the Reds have won a playoff series. That is... I don't even know what to do with that. Anyway. Yeah, that's a long time. That's all I can it's say about time. that. <laughs> it's so crazy. But it is a milestone. Indeed it is. <laughs> Indeed. And, and I think it's going to continue. It's going to continue this year because I think that team is going to make the playoffs. I think so. All right, here's your injury updates for the week. Uh, I don't I don't think we're planning <clears> on doing weekly <throat> injury updates, but these are pretty significant and pretty notable, so we thought we'd include, include them in here. Adam Duvall, the Red Sox, broke his wrist. Yikes. O'Neal yeah. Cruz had that ugly slide into home yesterday and broke his ankle. Did you see the brawl that broke out after that? Yeah, the bench the is cleared. Thing. Yeah, it was crazy. It's crazy. They're like trying to administer care, and everybody's yeah. just like, let's get after this. Like, <laughs> you got a man. Come on, down. guys. Let's take care of that first. And then man. throw fists. Like, take a knee. Down. Yeah, and then throw hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, Travis Darno of the Braves, he got run over by Rugnet Odor and got a concussion. And Brig and I were watching, like, we were watching this beforehand, Brig. And, like, it, this is the thing. Like, it, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think he intentionally ran through him, but he didn't make an effort to slide or get out of the way. Right. Yeah. He just kind of, to me, it looked like he was like, I'm going to slide. Never mind. And then he just froze and didn't know what to do and kept running. Yeah. Cause That's he slowed, like. cause he slowed down just enough. It looked like he was going to give himself up, yeah. but he didn't do anything to get out of the way that no. it was just one of those things where it's like, Oh, you're here. So I'm just going to happen to keep going on this path. And then he clobbers uh, Darno, and Darno loses the ball, and another run comes running behind and scores again. So they got yeah. two runs out of this crazy situation. 
Yeah. And well, now <laughs> he's got a concussion. So I didn't see that the ball had gone behind him that way on the play. I thought it yeah. deflected off his glove the other way. And when he was running to the backstop, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, he's like super. But no, he went, he did find the ball. He yeah, did. he did. <laughs> he did get it. He, yeah, he did look a little. Yeah, I can see why you would think that he was a little bit like <laughs> super shaken up. Yeah. And he was. He was pretty shaken up, but yeah. it wasn't. And part of the problem too, bad. though, is that he has had concu- has had concussions in the past, so they have him on the ten day IL right now, or I think it was a seven day concussion IL right now. But I yeah. think there's a chance he could be out longer than that. You know so, why he's had more than one concussion? Because he plays catcher. catcher. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. I've probably had several in my life that I didn't know about, honestly. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and then Tim Anderson left today's game early. Is that right, Brave? I don't remember if it was today or yesterday, but anyway, I think he did play today on Monday, but he's he's dealing with some left knee soreness. He is day to day. And then Carlos mm-hmm. Correa, if anybody, uh, I'll give you two points. If you remember why Carlos Correa didn't pass physicals, what the <laughs> what the issue was, anyone, ah. anyone, uh, the judges ah. were looking for back, <laughs> a lingering back injury. And as it would happen, Carlos Correa didn't play today and is day to day with back soreness. Yep. I bet the Giants and Mets are just loving the work that their doctors did or presented presented them with. You know Steve Cohen's paying that guy a bonus this year. He's getting a Christmas card and everything. He ought to be. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, Starling Marte is out with a neck injury. Um, The Mets Mets are 5-5. and Francisco Lindor says that he's not worried. Um, yeah. I wonder if it's one of those things where we're like, let's just get some of these injuries out of the way now and get everybody healthy. Cause there is kind of that attitude at the beginning of the season, right? That like feels that way. Yeah. That like you get bit by the injury bug once a year. And if it happens in April, so be it that way. You don't, it doesn't happen in August, but better in April than August for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but speaking of teams with the injury bug, Holy moly, the Rangers have 14 guys on the IL. The Nats have 17 and the giants and pirates could both, Build individual teams. They could play IL exhibition games against one another because they each have twenty five guys on on the injured list. Holy cow! Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. And I know this. Like this count includes guys on the forty man who are in double A, triple A, or whatever, wherever they might be in the system. But that's a lot of people on an injured list. Those are big old fatty fat facts, there, my friend. That's a lot of guys. It's yeah. I I don't even know what to do with that just because it's such trouble. And like most, like like I said, most some of those guys are in in the minor leagues, and most of them are not significant players. But like Mitch Haniger for the Giants has not played yet, right? O'Neill Cruz is on that list for the Pirates, and uh, yeah, that's Jacob news. Degrom is certainly sure to end up on that list at some point for the Rangers this year, <laughs> given his nope. history. No, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not too. <laughs> but if he does, maybe it's when the Mariners are in town. If I cross my fingers. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Because I would I'll love for the Mariners to not have to face him. <laughs> Brad, will you give the fans a fantasy update? Because it was I'll give... bananas. Yes. So a lot of high scoring this week, but it's because it was a week and a half worth of worth of games, right? Because the first opening weekend was four days. And so they yeah. just got tacked on. I'm going to start from the bottom of the list. That is the Harrisburg Charlies (laughs) against Grace Under Fire Harrisburg Charlies. For those of you who remember last year, it's John. And then uh, Grace Under Fire. uh, Grace Under Fire, that is Denise. She's the host of our North Chicago podcast. 
Uh, Denise won that one, 728 to 584. Her top score was Frederick Freeman with 119 points. And uh, the Harrisburg Charlies, John's top score was uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. with 114 points. Um, so if you don't have those guys, if they're available, or you can make a trade, those would be good ones to go get. Next, we have uh, Bur- <laughs> I think this is Tori. He's one of the hosts of, yeah, this is Tori. He's one of the hosts of the Philly Philly podcast. I think it's Burns Turnovers or something like that. I, it always cuts off. I can never, I've never seen his whole team name. Yeah, but anyway, either. he got beat pretty handily by Jason, his co-host of the Philly Baseball Together podcast. Uh, one or seven twenty-eight to six twenty-three. Both of their high scorers had one hundred two points. Uh, it was Nathaniel Lowe with the uh, with the Rangers for Jason and Christian Walker with the D-backs for uh, for Tory. After that, Adley Rutschman for Jason had ninety points. Okay, Brig, here's your matchup. Ugh, Brig. Uh, also known as Brigger Mortis, went up against Jewel, who is my co-host of the Seattle podcast, uh, Big League Chupacabras. Jewel beat you pretty handily, Brig. <laughs> no, there's got to be a new. There's got to be a new. We need a. We need a. We need a ritual for how badly I got beat. We don't. It needs to be more than just a phrase. <laughs> there's got to be maybe a sacrificial. Something or I don't know. <laughs> You're wanting to get something out of that clubhouse because I got Brig, Brig got beaten eight twenty three to six eighty. Jules' <laughs> top score was was Jake Cronenworth with one hundred ten points. Then he had Pete Alonzo with hundred, and Briggs' top, top score was Ty France with ninety. And thank you, Ty France is back by the way. But oh, really, the so big bad. difference though, I feel like with Jewel was his pitching. Yeah, his pitching insane. has been really good. Um, he has. Julio Urias, Urias. Um, he also has Shane McClanahan and Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez was an animal this week, so that yeah. was really big for him. Now, Andy has Dustin May. Dustin May back from Tommy John, by the by, and uh, that dude is a stud. And it's working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is working, definitely. So the last matchup, it was me uh, against our guest, our listener, participant his name is mike he is devastation incorporated and my i changed my team name this year to julio think you are he beat me 753 to 689 his top score was matt olson with 134 points that's crazy that score was like the difference because after that his next guy was boba shet with 74 points yeah what the heck man my top score is paul goldschmidt with 107 but then i had jt real muto with 77 so we were uh, within like four points going into the last day. I'm up against um, my uh, Devastation Incorporated today, and I'm beating him 61 to 26 right now, and that might be the end of my lead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up against Jewel this week. I'm up 52 to 25, and with the way his pitching goes, I stand no. Oh, chance. you're toast. 52 <laughs> yeah. to 25. I'm having no. to get a bigger lead than that. In the, in yeah, the you need to beat Jewel. You got to have like 130 <laughs> points going out of day one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty That's much the only way. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how it goes. But it's like I said after our draft. Once I draft and pick my team name. I'm good to go. I've had my fun for fantasy baseball yeah. for the year. <laughs> Not me. Not me. I'm like, I, I, <laughs> here's my, here's my schedule. When I take a break during the day, I check my fantasy. I make sure all my starters are actually going to play. 
And if I may have to make any adjustments, I do. Then I play Candy Crush. And then when I run out of lives, I go back and check my fantasy again. <laughs> Just to be absolutely sure. That's and so I good. still there was, get manhandled. <laughs> there was one year I was playing fantasy football, and I changed my team name every week. <laughs> after <laughs> week most... four. Yeah, after week four, it was it was not looking good. I was like, this team is not good. I don't want to go through the effort to like to make it good. So I'll make it good yeah. by changing the team name. So that's and after awesome. like week 13, I think I landed on Gardner's jockstrap for Gardner Minshew <laughs> and I kept it there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so, awesome. That's where my fun in, with fantasy comes. Anyway. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Baseball family. When we get back, we have an interview with author Lee Lowenfish. He is the author of this book. We got our advanced copies. I've been reading through them. Very, very exciting it's so good so informational like they're it's a good read it's a lot of fun for those of you listening who can't see this it's called baseball's endangered species inside the craft of scouting by those who loved it lived it lived it oh i'm sorry this guy (laughs) for those of you that don't know loved it um this guy lee knows he has forgotten more about baseball than we'll ever know combined and yeah. he was up to date on everything from Ronald Acuna Jr. loafing a couple of years ago to which I'm still not over, by the way, <laughs> to um, <laughs> all the way back to Branch Rickey. He wrote the definitive biography on Branch Rickey, and we talk about that in the interview. So stay, stay tuned. It's very good. Welcome back, baseball family. We have a very special guest here with us today. Lee Lowenfish is the uh, author of a brand new book that we're going to get talking about. He's written a lot about baseball. But before we get into any of that, we got to put him in the middle of a rundown. So, Lee, here come your questions. First one is, what is your quest? My quest? Uh, uh to to tell the stories of baseball uh, with uh, passion and humor and intelligence well said and well done as well because you're doing it next question what is your favorite color well orange uh this is ken singleton's uh uh from uh, when he was an oriole uh, and uh, one of my favorite players blue is in there too Nice. That's awesome. If uh, who's your favorite baseball team? Baltimore Orioles. And if the Baltimore Orioles were a beverage, what would they be? Wow. Uh, A a cold, hoppy IPA. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I think that's what we got because we only only other had. Uh, one other Orioles fan. I think he said something similar to that, right, Brig? I think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, last question for you: If baseball was an ice cream flavor, what would it be? Mocha chip. Ooh, mocha chip. That's a new one. That's a new one. I it like is, that. I like that. Yeah, that's good. Well, terrific. So, um, baseball's endangered species inside the craft of scouting by those who lived it is Lee's newest book out. Again, we like we said earlier, this is not the first time you've written about baseball, but I have uh, a question for you. It, is this the most enjoyable baseball writing you've done? 
Oh, that's a very good question. Well, now that it's done, I, I am uh, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, my eight magic words I tell writers, especially young people thinking about it, is uh, uh, keep your forward motion and put in the time. And and and, and those who really have eight eight heavy words because uh, I never played. I wish I played more, and I wish I had my father's talent. Uh, my father could, the age of 60, my father could fungo of a, a softball 300 feet in Central Park. But nice. uh, he was 44 when I was born and he wasn't a coach either. And uh, I'm, <laughs> and so in my very limited softball career, I hit one home run, but it really was a rolling single. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, the, the fathers and sons things about baseball, it, it really, it's so heavy. It, and, but, but that's why baseball is so heavy and so wonderful, you know. And that's why I come to love to write about the scouts, because they're the ones that have to tell the organizations, you know, this guy can play or he can't play. And, and try it sometime and actually try it in any field, you know. I mean, how do you know when somebody at 19 or 20 what he's going to be? Now, you can tell by build and you can tell by tools. And one of the alternative mm -hmm. titles I thought about for this book was turning tools into skills. But I like the way this one came out because especially nowadays with so many scouts getting laid off because of Moneyball, the book and the movie, and because the owners – uh, have been in the thrall of the analytic people who think that you, we can we can uh, robotize the player and not not work with them patiently. There, it's been a, not a good time for scouting. But uh, I hope my book and just intelligent young guys like you build a case that uh, you know this is a game of human relationships. It's not a game of computers. And you can use the computer. I mean, I, I always, I never met Branch Rickey when I did that book, but I met a lot of his family. And I would love to have taught, I mean, he would have, if he lived a little longer, I mean, he would have loved these sports uh, uh, management programs. I mean, he'd be, he'd be talking 80 hours a day. I mean, because he loved yeah, to would. talk. And I'm really sorry that the Continental League that he tried and that, that I put in my book, and it's an important thing that failed because it led to expansion, but he hated what happened with expansion because he was old enough to remember the 12-team National League when all you did was expand the second division. And I think yeah. baseball's got that problem now. I mean, John Smoltz said it on the broadcast. I mean, it was an aside, but he said he was in 15 postseasons. Now, when you end spring training, only 20% of the teams can really think of doing anything in the postseason. That's right. a really serious issue. And uh, uh, I hope the teams, uh, if they want to win, and of course, a lot of teams now don't really want to win, but the way to do it is through scouting and player development and the wise free agent now and then. And of course, that's not the trend. Right. No, it's We've not. actually seen that's one thing that we talk about a lot is that like that's one way that the Astros have found sustained success is they developed all their players. They brought in a guy here and there. They brought in Garrett Cole. They brought in Justin Verlander. Really, the pitching is where they where they supplemented. But their core guys, they're all homegrown guys. And as much as you know, I'm an AL West guy. So I as much as I don't like them, I have a ton of respect for what they did because that's the way they've done it. 
right? I like. I think that's the best way to build a team. Absolutely. And I, I love the comment that Ken Griffey uh, Sr. told his son when when he was thinking of free agency about, son, the team that signs you knows you the best. And, and, and you know, there, I call that good paternalism. Uh, I mean, there was bad paternalism in, in the worst aspects of the reserve system. But, but where I came to really like Branch Rickey is that he, what he, his famous interview with um, uh, uh, Jackie Robinson was the interview he gave to, to anyone he ever wanted to employ. I mean, and uh, he he interviewed Mario Cuomo when he was a farmhand with the Pirates, and he basically uh, he told him after talking to him, he said, "I don't think you really want to play this game." And of course, he was right. Uh, so, you know, meeting players, meeting the family, and of course, it's harder nowadays because there are so many uh, divorces, and and a lot of people are raised, you know, not by the the immediate family, but you have to know what is inside of somebody. And and as one of the the scouts told me, in in the old days, the players wanted to play so badly, they would say their two questions were, "Where do I go, and when do I start?" Nowadays, it's nowadays it's what it's what round and how much <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah and i yeah. i tell you it too too many teams are not doing that kind of solid re, uh, solid research about the, the the people who are coming into their systems because it is yeah. about more than just the tools right it's about the character of the of the person they're evaluating it's about their work ethic and it's way more than just speed and throwing and hitting and all that other more tangible stuff that the scout julian mock who was the um the red scouting director near the end of his life and i talked to him on the phone i never met him but he had four questions he asked of and that's kind of appropriate here it's passover week coming up four questions he asked a scout before he hired a scout and i think they applied to players too the first one is do you really love this game or because that means you love the ups, the downs as well as the ups. Are you willing to work harder than you ever worked before? Because it's uh, look how long the season is and the preparation. You're not going to be able to go to the beach or go, go drink, go drinking with the buddies. It's a tremendous commitment. Are you able to learn? And he happened to be a uh, high school guidance counselor in uh, in uh, Georgia. And that means, can you change if you if you're showing you that you don't know how to approach the curveball, you don't know how to set your feet, and then the last one is really a very important one too. You willing to laugh every day hmm. because the game, as one of the college players I've gotten to know used to say, the game is designed to beat you up. Because, and it's not just because, you know, the cliche of 162 games, you know, only a few win 100 and it's the other 60 that, but it's every pitch. uh, And, 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 you know, and it it takes this very special mentality to accept that and embrace it. And I I love the quote of Joe Torrey, 
who was signed by by Honey Russell, who was a great uh, basketball coach as well as a baseball scout. And uh, Joe Torre, when he came back to manage the Yankees, and you know the press was clueless. Joe, you know, didn't do yeah. well in St. Louis, Atlanta. He's broadcasting for the Angels, but what he said, he said, "I missed the winning." And I missed the losing. Mm. And, you know, that, you know, because that, uh, so that, that's where this game is so special. And I know if Ricky were alive, he would love a lot of the new analytics, but he wouldn't be safe to it. And that's where, that's where I draw the line. They're just, and when I go, when I watch a game and you see, and this is in the playoffs, I'm sure regular season too, when I see players looking at their iPads and not the game, because, yeah. you know, the game, you expose yourself in the game. I mean, there's no helmet and, and you're not, you, you can't make um, a, uh, uh, if you make a turnover in basketball, you can block the guy's shot on the next time. Mm-hmm. But if, I mean, that was Dick Groat's great line to, him, to me when I interviewed him for the Ricky book. He said that uh, baseball does things to your coconut. You know, you you can't <laughs> you, you cannot uh, uh, you have to wait until your turn of bat to 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 do something better. So uh, that's where the mental aspect is so important. You know, and and while I'm not a Yankee fan, I think. Volpe is going to be interesting to watch because and and what I'm really happy about in the book, the last chapter tells the story of the scout that was so important in the signing of Anthony Volpe, Kelly Rodman, who uh, played softball in Connecticut, then hardball in uh, in Europe and Asia and then came back and wanted to stay in baseball. And she became a scout and really a rising scout. With the Yankees, they I have pictures in the book of her and Nick Swisher uh, mm-hmm. at the uh, draft in Secaucus, and also when she was the Scout of the Year. And unfortunately, she died of brain cancer three years ago at the age of forty-four. But her spirit lives on, and and the Red Sox Scout Ray Fagnett and the Yankee Scout May Matt Hyde. They now call the the summer the summer game for prospects that they run the the Kelly Rodman Memorial and it's usually played up at, at Fenway and you know that was another possible title for the book competitors and colleagues because it's true that uh, they're very competitive but especially before the draft when they would hide players if they could. <laughs> but they want to see good people come into the game and because it's so hard and there's so many pitfalls, but you know, the good ones and the great ones will survive. And, and um, it's always a pleasure to talk about it with guys like you. Thank you. We talk a lot about women in baseball and I'm glad you brought up Kelly because we're seeing a tremendous, uh, I don't know. I feel like the sport is turning over a new leaf as far as inclusion and allowance for for women in the sport and we we're both fathers of girls and we think that it's just a wonderful thing uh that's happening and i'm, I'm glad you highlighted it in your book as for for the scouting aspect of it as well 
Oh, yes. I mean, I think uh, Commissioner Manfred takes a lot of heat, and some of it is deserved, like the wiping out of 42 minor league teams. And I'm afraid some people want even more, and I hope that doesn't happen. But he definitely has a commitment to diversity in the game and to, uh, to honoring the African-Americans who played um, uh, without any any recognition. So I, I he definitely deserves uh, uh uh, tips of the cap for, uh, for that, and I and I just hope that the, the this season with a lot of the rule changes that I don't think were really necessary, I hope it doesn't become too chaotic because the focus should be on the great players and winning teams. And and if you and you know, and I for one, I mean, I think Otani without a doubt. I mean, he's from another planet. I mean, I yeah, the, yeah. you know, but you know, Mike Trout, I'm concerned about. He's been hurt for three years. I, I they built up that last at bat uh, in the the, the WBC. I I I wish him well because he's a uh, a great player who came out of this area, you know, near Vineland, New Jersey, mm -hmm. uh, Millville, I think. Yeah, uh, Millville. Yeah. So I, I wish him well, but too too many injuries, and and I have to admit, uh, and as I got old, as I get older, I have a a little um, George Steinbrenner and Dick Young in me, if you remember, <laughs> they always got upset at at uh, uh, the uh, uh, extracurricular activ activities instead of baseball, and so when Trout King was made visible as the commissioner of the football fantasy league in which uh, Tommy Fan slugged uh, Jock Peterson, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought to myself, well, you know, why weren't you staying in better shape, you know? Yeah. So, but I'm not going mean, to knock Trout. And uh, I mentioned Greg Moorhead, Greg Moorhead, the, uh, the, the uh, uh, scout who signed him in my book, and also his father. I mean, you see, the saga of baseball is so special, and we have to keep it going. I mean, Greg Moorhead's father was Mo Moorhead. Uh, who's become a great educator and coach in Connecticut. He was with the Cubs and it was considered a prospect, but when they moved Ernie Banks to first base, that was that, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so uh, uh, it, anyway, it's uh, the, the scout stories are so special and I'm glad I could share many of them in the, in, in the new book. I'm, I'm curious, like looking through this book, it's very comprehensive as far as like, like documenting your research and things like that. Like I feel like there's almost as, as much content in the index and the glossary and things like that. And the bibliography as there is in the book itself. So how long did it take you to get everything together and write this book? How many, like it feels like it would take several years to get this. Done. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, uh, the Ricky book took 10 years. This one, I had the idea really since the 1980s because I met some scouts at a high school game and it turned out, one of the scouts' grandmother was a patient of my father's. My father was a dermatologist. He was not only a very good ball player in his day, but he, among his patients were Babe Pinelli, who I got to know, the umpire who called the Don Larson's perfect game behind home plate. That was his last oh. game behind home plate. Major league player who survived the San Francisco earthquake, although his father died. Bill Stewart was another patient of my father, a National League umpire and a hockey uh, coach. And the Stewarts, every Stewart you see in the NHL 
almost every comes out of that Bill Stewart tree. And, a, and my father actually won a, a, a suit that Bill, Bill uh, Stewart brought because Leo DeRocher had spiked him and it got infected. So, you know, that was part of my life growing up. And then when I meet Billy Blitzer, whose grandmother was a patient of my father. And I said, are you related to Ida Blitzer? Yeah, my grandmother. Are you related to Dr. Lowentrish, my father? We've been friends since. And he introduced me to Herb Stein, who signed Carew before the draft and Frank Viola and Gene Larkin afterwards. And so I had that idea. And then when I did the Ricky book and, uh, and finished it uh, in 2005, I said, well, there's still a lot more to be said about the scouts. So I got really serious with it the, at the end of last decade. And uh, uh, so uh, in terms of actual writing, it got very intensive the last year or so. And uh, pretty much right at the desk where I'm talking to you. So it's a great experience once it's done to be able, you know, to see, be at this desk and share these stories orally. Yeah, that's really neat. We're Brad and I are both writers as well. So we understand the process and what it takes and we have journalism backgrounds. And so it's, it's what you've done. We, I feel like are uniquely positioned to appreciate the work and the, and Brad said it's comprehensive. So, but my question to you is aside from people like us, who is this intended for? What's the, who's your general target audience? Well, that's a good question. And I mean, I'd like it to be a general, uh, a general audience, people who love history. And, and, and I, I knew that I wasn't going to do another 600 page book, like the branch Ricky book, you know, I, yeah. Uh, and so and, and people call that definitive. I never used the word definitive about Branch Rickey, who was so wonderfully complicated, but basically a very pioneering good man it, with scouting. I mean, I, I think a book like this can be done in every region of the country because uh, the, uh, the, 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 in the heyday of baseball, they, they came from it. From, from everywhere, Maine, Washington, and not I'm not a Yankee fan, but I, I give props to the scout Eddie Taylor, uh, who had a brief career in, for the Boston Braves, but he found Stottlemyre, and Stottlemyre, you know, saved the 64 Yankees and, and, and turned out to be a great coach as well. And so they come, they come from all over. So I, uh, uh, I hope that it gets a wide readership. Uh, and since the, the people coming into baseball, all sports now are, are becoming re or readers too. Uh, uh, the more, the merrier. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Lee, I think we are just about out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Last question for you before we go, who's your world series pick this year? Oh boy. Uh, it, it's much too early. I mean, I, <laughs> Yeah, never too I, I early <laughs> uh, you know I, I don't you know the the yankees will have a solid chance i don't want it to be the yankees and the dodds of dodgers because they have so much they they can make mistakes that other other teams uh, can't you know so uh the surprise team i um you know the mariners uh the, that team has caught on and yes. uh you know depoto loves to to bring in new players if if they they stick together you know they they have a chance and that would be good for baseball i'd like to see the orioles get to the 90 
game plateau, but the owners' sons are they're not in court anymore, but they're the still it's not exactly well run, you know, but uh, no. so uh, so but since you asked me, I'm going to say Seattle and the Braves and <laughs> I've been saying Seattle since 2019 that 2023 is the year. Yep. Well, I've been saying it for four me, years. A key to me is how healthy who uh, uh, Rodriguez remains. Julio Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah. Julio Rodriguez, Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray. Those guys have and, to perform. Well, and Castillo, I mean, how the Reds, you see, this is this is what annoys me about today's baseball, that last year, for the first time in the history of the game, four teams got won more than 100 games and four teams lost more than 100 games. That never happened in the history of the game. And I don't see those four teams having improved. And how the Reds let Castillo get away? Who, I mean, that he's got—he's one of the guys I love to watch pitch because he's got—he's got tooed, but he's not—you know—he's not a jerk, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I love Luis Castillo so much. I was—I was stoked out of my mind <laughs> when the Mariners <laughs> made that deal. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, but Lee, thank you so much for joining us again. This is his book right here, Baseball's Endangered Species Inside the Craft of Scouting by Those Who Lived It. When is your book out, Lee? Well, April April Fool's Day is out tomorrow, actually. And no joke. Copies are available, you know, from the University of Nebraska Press, which is the publisher of more baseball books, I think, now than any uh, house in the country. And and they've done a nice job. That's Tom Greenway on the cover. I yeah. doing an interview, by the way, in Brownsville, Texas next week. It was canceled. It was postponed. And the guy that interviewed me says, man, Sandy Koufax on the cover. And I no, no. That, that, that's <laughs> yeah. Tom Greenway, who actually has a little bit of, 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 of Harry Dean Stanton in him, too. So, uh, again, we're all we're all connected. Baseball culture and and. Uh, and uh, the things we love about the most, you know, so. that's why we do baseball together here. That's yeah. our whole, that's yeah. our whole thing. Yeah. yeah. All For right. Sure. Well, thanks Lee. Thanks Lee. We appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Bye -bye. Thanks. Baseball family. We hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. We got like a hundred years of baseball history in like a 20 minute conversation yeah. and it was awesome. So uh, go ahead and jump in the description box below the description box. Yeah. Jump in the description box below and, and know in your heart that if you love what we do, you can support us at patreon.com. That's it. Uh, you just search baseball together at patreon.com. We have three or four levels of support. Now $1, uh, $5, $10 and $15 a month for support. Um, each one of them comes with their own benefits and package deals. Very exciting t-shirts, hats, but every one of them comes with the bullpen cut of the show. That's where you get all the behind scenes stuff, inside jokes and snide remarks that we don't share on the rest of the big show. That's right, for sure. And if you uh, if you're looking to support the show in other ways, you can hop on to schnookseedery.com. You can order the best seeds ever, truly. And when you use code BTPOD, you get 10% off your order, and some of that goes and helps the show as well. We appreciate yeah. that. And if you need some place to put your seeds, head over to c-sack.com. Get yourself a seed sack. It says, I have this beautiful canvas seed holder. It has a little uh, clasp thing so they don't spill over in your pocket. And one of those packages that Brig just held up fits perfectly in one of these. It's like it was a match made 
in heaven. But baseball or family, please. A match oh. made in the United States. Iowa. <laughs> or Iowa. I don't know. Anyway. Just kidding. I don't know. Iowa. <laughs> it's probably Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe on whatever platform, uh, podcast platform you listen to us on and on the YouTubes as well so you don't miss anything. We are back to uploading the highlights of the episode every every weekend. So if you don't have time to listen to the entire episode, you can get the you can just get the interview on Sunday or you can get the clips of the podcast on YouTube as well. And don't forget to join us on Thursday nights. We're going live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. The Book of Faces is getting live, Brig and Brad. Every Thursday night during the season, we're going to give you updates and especially your bet picks for the weekend. So don't miss out on our Thursday night lives. That's right. We both went 2-1 and one this weekend on our bet picks by, by the by. By the by. That's for those nice. who keep a track. <laughs> anyway, baseball family, thank you so much for joining us this week. We will catch you... Thursday night.